I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I feel, I'm, I'm just wondering if even the words coming out of my mouth I think making you, sense. I think you speak for all of us, bitch, when you say, ah. <laughs> this is Beers with Hallows. Dress, beers, and mouths. Welcome or welcome back. This is Beers with Talos, episode 118. Today is March 4th, 2022. I am joined, as always, by Matt Olney and Liz Waddell. And JJ is also with us today because we just came back into the studio and he was still here. I <laughs> think he moved in. It's comfortable in here. We're going to do what we usually do and go around the table and get an opening shot from everybody. Uh, and then today we are going to talk about the only thing any of us have ever really been dealing with this week. I just put out a blog post uh, last night as we record this on the Cisco uh, executive blog, on the news blog. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit and kind of see where that takes us. And I mean, we're joking around about it, but probably are going to try and maybe keep it a little short today. We'll see. I think everybody could use some rest and some time themselves, and it's, it's Friday afternoon. So let's go around the table, get an opening thought from everybody. Uh, Matt. My oldest son, who is very 18 right now, <laughs> uh, walked in the door uh, this afternoon, and uh, he hangs up the coat right here behind me in this closet. And so he stops and I happened to, I happened to be off a phone call. So I was like, Hey, how are you? And he goes, uh, you're helping with Ukraine, right? And I went, yeah, we're, we're doing what we can. And he goes, that's good. And so at least this situation has given me, you know, a really nice conversation with my son at 18 that that qualifies as. <laughs> Well, that is always a, a nice thing. I mean, and it was, it was you know, a, a beautiful exchange of ideas for someone who is very 18. Very 18. I'm sure that was probably the best description. Liz, what's on your mind? Distractions. So, as, you know, I think, you know, Matt was talking about how last night he took some time off and just kind of, like, looked at a hockey game and I think you know we're all taking time off and just staring into the void in between crying <laughs> and uh so I have been watching just a shit ton of game shows because for some reason like they have been like just filling like I don't know they're keeping my brain somewhat operative but idle not yeah, actually requiring any effort of mine baseband signal that you need to to maintain connectivity but like no nothing beyond that Mitch knows I need to, uh, when I'm around people too much, I need to recharge. I spent an entire night in Las Vegas uh, watching Family Feud. Like that was from like 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. And then I went to bed. That was, that was yeah, all. No, that I was actually true. I saw done. him at breakfast. I was like, dude, what happened to you last night? Oh, I was watching Family Feud. Like, <laughs> is that, they have, they have a show here in town or? No, no. I was up in my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that I have noticed on game shows, especially I started watching one called The Chase, and it's, you know, uh, 
trivia show with like normal people against people like Ken Jennings, like trivia experts, whatever. But every time like the normal person gets up there, the the host is like, well, what are you going to do with this money? And everybody always has some answer like, I'm going to pay off my student loans. I'm going to go on a trip. And I'm just waiting for someone to drop like, I'm going to buy a bunch of hats for my taxidermy squirrels. And I'm going to buy more squirrels. You know, like, what is somebody going to drop like the great great answer answer. on the game shows? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) JJ. To to echo both sentiments, I've, I've kind of had... I don't have an 18-year-old in the house, but I have a five and a seven-year-old. And uh, it's, it's been a couple of nights ago now, but um, I was having dinner with my kids and a similar interaction, but with a five-year-old kind of occurred where uh, she knew that I'd been really busy because I usually do a lot of stuff and pay a lot of attention to the kids uh, when they're home. And she's like, oh, dad, you're fighting right now, right? And I'm like, well, that's one way to kind of look at it. Uh, but we, we had to have a conversation about that. And I've been disconnecting, watching stupid TV, not game shows, but uh, I feel like I might want to do that at some point. Like, I, I'm notorious anyway for picking shows that uh, I, I don't care if they have any true entertainment or, or not necessarily. All I care about is entertainment value. It's like, oh, look, something exploded on the TV. How exciting. And like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have any other yeah. meaning other than. Oh, dumb brain entertainment. <laughs> Is there a carrot in the box? That's all you need to know. Carrot in the box. Greatest all-time game show bit. <laughs> might be. Might be. We should play carrot in the box next time we're all together. Oh, my God. We should do that at uh, oh, uh, RSA. Yeah, RSA. Yeah, oh, for yeah, that, yeah, for that live show thing. Yeah. It, mm, yeah, we should play carrot in the box. The one thing that's really, like, had got stuck in my brain... This week, when I was trying to, like, you know, just do the, like, park it in neutral. So I kept seeing these tweets and retweets and mentions about D. Snyder. And God knows, nobody has heard a thing about D. Snyder in, you know, since 1980, what the hell ever. And he just pops up every now and again, right? And I saw a tweet, is D. Snyder, like, giving the authorization or the go-ahead, I guess, that he was, like, totally down for using we're not going to take it or we ain't going to take it. Like the one hit twisted sister had, uh, as like some sort of Ukraine fight song. And here's my question, which came first Ukrainians wanting to use, we ain't going to take it or D Snyder giving them permission to be like, okay, you guys can use it. I have a feeling this has been his like secret rock and roll fantasy his whole life to like see we ain't gonna take it become like the theme song of a revolution. Dude, it is we're not is going it? to take it. I, it's not dude, I was eight. like seven when that song came out. <laughs> How do you not know that song? We're not going to take it. Is when was the last time you actually it? heard like, that, that song? That's Liz. like the redneck the version. version. So having having that been was the in, one uh, done by Darius Rucker in Kiev. I can assure you that having listened to their what they play on their radios, that's the right time period. They are kind of oh yeah 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 they're kind of stuck in like that is that is their favorite music like you know at least well I mean if you want to go down the conspiracy hole on that I mean the the allegedly the CIA was making great investments in that time frame in uh, Soviet rock and roll. Like back in the 80s, like that was uh, supposedly like Scorpions were like CIA funded. I, that's what I was alluding to there. I don't know if anybody remembers like Winds of Change and all that was like 
supposedly written by the you're CIA. all by yourself on this none of the rest of the know what you're talking this? about no. oh my god this is i know but we we don't know but i will go down this conspiracy rabbit hole like i don't think the cia did a lot but, but i'm like yes this wrote. one definitely definitely they funded winds of change <laughs> this explains scorpion <laughs> so much what was that guy's name like alex what was that? i can't remember their names he had a really weird name like a really like like a long name wasn't it like a lot of consonants I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Well, and like, did they also fund Striper so they could get to like the Christian Russians? Striper. Like, so wow. many questions. I've that in a long time. So uh, last night, Matt, we put out a blog post that we ended up putting up on the the Cisco blog uh, for some you know additional visibility onto the the news platform there, talking about how Cisco. The title post: Cisco stands on guard with our customers in Ukraine, and. We took the opportunity in this post to, I don't want to say like open up or like, you know, just kind of, we, we haven't really had a chance to talk about a lot of what we are doing there. Uh, and this was a, a great chance for us to do that. So why don't we start with that post uh, and with kind of the overview that we gave in that and see where the conversation takes us. One of the things that we talked about in the, po- in the, in the post itself, uh, in addition to the the history, I guess, we didn't really go too much into the history we have in that region. But Ukraine's place we've been involved with uh, for the better part of, how long has it been now? Six years? Being there uh, for that long, working with the cyber police, working with uh, lots of other you know groups there, we have lots of employees there. I guess let's start with one, what have we been doing there for the last six years? Like what is the focus of Ukraine? And why has that become an area that we've chosen to invest time and resources into. It is a country that has been uniquely harassed by a state-sponsored actor for, for longer than we've been there, for, for sure. And so back into 2009 or so, at, at some point, as part of it has to do with the development of the intelligence team, but at some point we just decided, you know, we need to be there. Like that's that's a place where, where we, we need to, to be. And so... We just reached out to this guy named Vladimir, who's still the the security sales guy there, and we're like, "Hey, this is what we do. Can we come over?" <laughs> and he was like, "Sure." Um, we we flew out there. Um, we met a bunch of folks. I'm sure they, you know, I'm sure they expected never to see us again. Um, but we kept showing back up, and when they asked for help, we gave them what they needed. You know, some specific skill sets that we had, we loaned them those skill sets. And when we saw stuff that we were worried about, we'd highlight it for them. That's how we were in position uh, to work so well on the NotPetya event in 2017 that, that a lot of folks know about. Caused $10 billion of damage. Had a team in and Kiev ended up with a second redock. Yeah, yeah. JJ, I want to, right about a month ago, um, you've been involved for, for quite some time in the region as well. Uh, your team has worked with all kinds of situations and resources in, in that region. Uh, but right around a month ago, we decided to to do the thing that we do when things get serious, right? Like we created a, a what, what we call a critical event, um, you know, kind of alert and started putting some resources together to see what was going on as a Russian troop boat up was continuing and there were other factors and a big concern in the region. So take us back to about a month ago. What was going on then? Yeah. What were we seeing? This was like 
where Whispergate was coming through and, and, and all that kind of stuff uh, started popping. Yeah, certainly. So we observed a, an obvious trend in terms of attacks in region. Um, Whispergate itself dropped on a number of endpoints that we had visibility to. So at that point, we really really started working closely with a variety of authorities over in Ukraine um, to to try and understand all the things that you need to know when an attack like this occurs. In, in a number of instances, we tell them it doesn't necessarily matter where it came from or who did it, but in this case, it, of course, did matter. When, when I say in a number of instances, we're, we're talking about smaller scale corporate things where the, the goal is more to stop the bleeding um, and patch the hole that the bad guy got in, not so much understanding more about the bad guy. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. But, you know, when you start to talk about the targets uh, that were targeted or the victims, I should say, excuse me, that were targeted, you're talking about nation state level actions. Things get complicated in a hurry in terms of also understanding the adversary because you you then need to understand who else they might be targeting, right? So that you can start to to pivot into understanding notifying other entities that, hey, you know, you need to be on high alert. We should probably say, just real quick, what that means is the time that JJ spent there, time that I've spent there, the fact that we have employees there, that we have friends there, is this is all deeply personal to us. So uh, just don't, like, we're taking a little break um, to, to kind of have a chat about it here and enjoy company between the four of us because we haven't had a chance to chat for a while. But we're, we're deeply concerned with what's going on in Ukraine. Um, and, the, and the cyber component is such a small, insignificant piece of, of what's actually happening there. And we know that. But that's, that's the piece we're paid to know about. And so, you know, we're not, we're not trying to, to put any of this front and center or make it more important than it is. Um, definitely almost everything else happening in Ukraine is more important than the cyber components of what's happening in Ukraine. So I just wanted to, like, we hadn't, hadn't kind of talked about both what it means to us um, the fact that we have friends there, that we're seeing damage at places we've stood, you know, that we have employees who are not not fully safe, um, that we continue to to try to support and, and maneuver around region. Um, all of that, all the stupid cyber shit that we're going to talk about today pales in to questions like, I have an employee in Kharkiv, can you help them find clothes and blankets and food, uh, which is... You know, a question we got today on the on the uh, intelligence channel. Forgive us if we take a moment to 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 be human and enjoy each other's company and laugh a little. Uh, don't think for a moment that it's not because we don't take what we're doing very seriously and and what's happening there very seriously. It has been. I will say, <clears throat> yeah. um, I kind of chuckled when JJ was talking about having little kids back in the house because I kind of feel like that's the way it's been this week. Like. I keep waking up at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and like my mind is already spinning like 5,000 miles an hour and like I just can't go back to sleep. I just, I feel like I need to go do something or try and get something done to like, I don't know, like feel like I'm helping somebody. But You helped me the other day or you tried to help me the other day. You were very cool. I listed for, I listed for Mitch uh, the list of, Three epic failures I had made on on uh, on a day a couple of days ago, and like none of them were critical, but just like they were just abundant evidence that I had reached and gone well past my limits in terms of things. Yeah. And so I immediately get a message from Amy, who is like, "Mitch says you're done." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, 
for those of us on, on this side that are dealing with it, uh, JJ and me and a lot of folks um, had been working the Ukraine issue for more than a month every day. It, like not all like not all day, but like two or three times a day, Saturdays and Sundays, we were checking in and monitoring stuff and answering questions and stuff. So it never was off our mind. From the day of the invasion through like, uh, what is today, Friday? So Wednesday for me, every waking moment was was Ukraine. Wake up, first thing I think about, go sit down, have, you know, make sure I have, I have some kids, so I make sure kids get where they need to go, sit down, work. Wife comes home, say hi, get food, work go to sleep. And so come Wednesday when I got, when, when, when I got shut down Miami and Mitch, um, it was, it was time. And so uh, it was good that I could find some time Thursday, uh, that you know, it's Wednesday night and Thursday night to, to watch some, some hockey caps won last night, which was cool. But if you've got, uh, and, and, and JJ and I have spoken today about rotating our people, uh, because look, the cool thing, like that I told, so there was a little more, to the conversation with my son uh, that I didn't share, but one thing I told him is the, the cool, one of the cool things that I'm seeing is is literally everybody wanting to help, everybody, everybody wanting to help. And so if if if, if I have a need or whatever, it it, it happens. Uh, I find a BGP expert, or I find this expert, I find that expert, or, or someone from Duo has some weird stuff going on in telemetry, so they just know to reach out. Um, people that I'd never had talked to, even though we're, we're, we're all in Cisco. Um, however, what, what I know as a manager is you have to watch out for your people overhelping. And so I, can, I think that's where, like, so it's Friday. We're about there where we start to have to standing people down intentionally and being mm-hmm. like, um, you need, you know, I'm going to, I went and I found this person to do what you're doing for just 24 hours. I need you to go and just chill. I need you to get away from this. And, and try to find some time for you and then come back and you'll be better. Yeah, you know, I certainly on Wednesday night after I got shut down my Amy, I let my boss know. I'm like, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm presuming that all my people are roughly there because I'm certainly not working harder than any of them. Um, so we're gonna, here's our plan for try to try to straighten all that stuff out. So if you are a manager, although this is going to get to you way past the point that's important. You uh, should have already yeah. been. Hopefully you've given your folks a break. Please God. <laughs> I think it's ex- exceptionally challenging <laughs> to do that right now. Not like we well, want to do that, but everybody wants to help. To, to Matt's point, everybody wants to help so much that they're willing right. to, to put that effort in and, and quite literally work themselves to exhaustion. Well, you know, and that is, you know, something we often see, you know, in these types of situations as being the, I think, the amplified version of it, right? And I have had conversations with some of Matt's people and been just on the side been like, how are you doing? Like, hey, you know, are, are you alive? And maybe you should step back a bit. I'm, I'm getting concerned. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, and, and also like I, I actually, because I got sent some Cisco ebook and it was Matt had a quote on there and I think it was from COVID. You have a quote in there about, you know, not feeling like you couldn't be less alone right now. And I actually like snapped oh. that and sent it to one of your team, Man, your team you members. And I was like, this dude said this. And I think. I think you should, you know, pay attention to that. Oh. Uh, some some cyber experts. <laughs> some says, cyber I don't expert. know. But. The, the cyber, uh, cyber expert. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Jenna. The, the cyber expert <laughs> said this. So I think this could actually be a good segue to something to something else that was talked about in the blog, and that is 
everybody who wants to help and maybe some people oh. should stop help so the other, should help yeah. less. So I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was kind of taken so, aback by this. Like I I had not ex- expected the velocity at which all of this happened for sure. In addition to those of us who do this for a living, like everybody else wants to help out. You talk about like our friends in Duo, our friends in like other parts of the security org have, have come together. And we did mention this in the blog post as well. There is a room of over 500 volunteers from all over Cisco. Like I don't know where half that, that Cisco's a very big place. But, uh, you know, there's like over 500 people who not only have raised their hand, but went and sought out and found this one channel to start contributing open source intelligence and seeing if they could help just by well, doom scrolling Twitter. But <laughs> I can tell you what, so a couple, a couple of things about that. I don't, I don't know if we talked about this. One, what that is, so there is a channel that, that over 500 Cisco employees are in from, like, I don't know, I don't know, I, I know no very few came of them, from. right? So, and nor do I know how they found the channel, but they're all in there. Um, and they just constantly post this This happened. I mean, some of it is cyber related. Some of it is geopolitical related. Some of it is some other stuff. And so if I were to tell you, I have a channel of 500 people that just put whatever they find on Twitter into a channel, you would not be forgiven for thinking that it is complete shit show in that channel. And it is not. It's <laughs> it really is, not. No, it is not. Um, especially for like a thing that can get like, you can get your blood boiling pretty quick in, in just yeah. like you, you spend two seconds thinking about this and you will be ready to, to take a swing at somebody. They put in the links they have for every link they put in the description of like, this is what it means. So I don't have to click every link if it's something that we're concerned about. So what they don't know, and, I, and we probably should tell them is a lot of what, not a lot, because there's a lot, but there are things that go in there that end up in reporting to Chuck to our CEO, because I work with, I, I, I talked to Megan, who puts together the geopolitical report for him. I'm like, hey, this happened, we saw this and this. And also stuff went in there um, that ends up in protections to our customers, where they're like, hey, there was this um, this phishing campaign that that these people announced and all that got processed. So there's so much going on that we haven't taken the, the time to be like, this one was useful and this one wasn't. We just let people put whatever in there. But absolutely, if you're listening to this and you're part of that channel, the, the things that go in that channel do make a difference. But that and it is a really cool thing. And, and there really hasn't, I mean, it wasn't even like forced. Like there, there's no real rule enforcement. Like people are just trying to do their best and like do the thing that is helpful. Like you can tell like everybody in that room is genuinely I, trying. I, I mean, there were some and guidance then, put in there, right? Because it, it did start out as a bit of a yeah. And I mean, and, and most of the thing is, I think a lot of folks in that room, and the reason I, you know, we whittled it down to five, you know, simple rules or whatever to, to be helpful but like, I think most of the people are in that room, I, a good portion of them have never really been a part of like collaborative OSINT gathering before, right? So nobody really knows how to do it. But or what we need or, right? So yeah. so yeah, at first it was just a whole bunch of yeah. Twitter links. So it was just me. It was like the least efficient Twitter client of all time. So, cause I'd have to click on every link, right? Um, and so then we're Didn't like, no, could you put in a summary so we know what whether we need to go through on it? And then uh, we went through a phase where there was a lot of commentary and we were like, no, nah, this isn't. Yeah, no, commentaries, yeah. This isn't call-in radio. This is, uh, and, and <laughs> trust me, there's things to say, but, uh, but yeah, it's super tight right now. And what you don't know, Mitch, or you may know this, but what we haven't talked about is there's a whole other channel of open source intelligence, which is all oh, yeah. of yeah. the Russian and Ukrainian Russian speakers, speakers Yep, who are, and those guys are, are on it. Because there's not as many of them, some good stuff. and they are just plowing through Telegram. 
Like, yeah, they're hyper. Like I'm getting constant feeds of like of what's happening there. So this is only this slice of what Cisco's doing. There is whole other elements of even uh, even Talos. We have two of our smartest people assigned to helping um, building more secure refugee networks. To, to support people as they come in countries um, outside of Ukraine. We have Amy, who we mentioned, uh, I know was in the office with, with Ilya, who's from Ukraine, and some others who've been putting together care packages so, yeah, for Cisco employees who had, been, who, had, who had evacuated, or in some cases that Cisco employee couldn't evacuate, but their family has evacuated. So the family gets a care package from us, customized because this family has, you know, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and so they get you know some extra little goodies in there. There are Cisco employees that are showing up at the border if they're in country. There's entire Cisco web internal web pages on coordinating driving refugees from the border to to uh, Warsaw or or whatever city they need to get to. This is this piece that we're talking about is just one piece of like a massive effort inside of Cisco. There is tons of work not happening so that the work that needs to happen for humanity kind of stuff is getting done. There's going to be OKRs missed. There's going to be <laughs> deadlines missed. I, I will say that it's, it's a humbling and heartwarming thing to see, to say the least. And I don't say things like that often. So, you know, I look. No, JJ is widely regarded as a cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> that is completely true. <laughs> But you know, and actually, there's we're we're nearing 600 people in that channel as I as I look at it when we're talking about it. Wow, picked up 100 today. It's, it's all it's, right. It's, I, I didn't count. It's today. well in excess of 500 at this point. It's amazing, and and people have been reaching out. Like it's you know, to Matt's point, people have been reaching out to him as well, just asking what they can do from all across the board. People with varied backgrounds. Sometimes finding a specific place to put them is is kind of challenging, even because so many people are reaching out and. That's a great, a great problem to have. So in addition to kind of what's going on here and those kind of things we talked about, we also have some really cool stuff going on defending critical networks in the present time over there. I don't know how you want to, how you want to talk about that, uh, Matt. What we're talking about is we take some of our smartest uh, and we just put them on the consoles that our customers or our partners are using. So uh, usually when we look at data like about about secure endpoint or whatever, we're on the back end kind of watch looking through telemetry um, for whatever system, whatever Cisco security system we're talking about as we do our hunting. Occasionally, um, when we are when we are working very closely with the partner, we can get involved in the actual creation of defenses on their behalf. You, you know how you you go to class like vendors give you class. I've done this before where where, where you get to go to class on a vendor solution. And there's always the last day on advanced features, and you think to yourself, when am I ever going to use any of this? Okay, well, this is the time that, that you use all the fancy wingdings uh, that Secure Endpoint uh, can do. The nice thing about, and look, we don't talk about product a lot, so this is, this is it. This is Matt talking about product, because I actually like our Secure Endpoint product a lot. What Secure Endpoint allows me to do is I can walk into, or, or any of my people can walk into an organization, work with them to install Secure Endpoint. As soon as it's installed... They can sit down at a console, and in about 15 minutes, they will have a really good sense immediately how much trouble we're in. Endpoint will immediately tell you if there's patching issues. Endpoint will immediately tell you if there's current uh, security issues that are going on, which, to be fair, they're, they're normally, they're, you know, 
normally is when we roll stuff out. And so you can immediately say, okay, how much work do I have to do just to get up to now we can worry about net new? And that's that's pretty powerful stuff when you're talking about installing on like 3,500, 4,000 computers at, at an agency. You look at them in all seriousness and go, I have recommendations. Like that's, that's pretty great. Um, that, but, yeah, that's useful. Yep, that's useful. And, and like some of those use like – a lot of those, um, we, we, in this case, we didn't make because now it's not the time to be making uh, strategic level um, recommendations. Like we're not going to be looking at uh, segmentation or upgrading operating systems. Like, nope, you know, we're... we're Let's talk about your defense layers. We are, and- we are, we are, we are going to engage <laughs> how, with how what we got. How are you? And then, uh, and then we'll worry about uh, making it pretty later. With Secure Endpoint, you can do network blocking um, at the endpoint level which is useful. And you can also block by hash, which is useful. Which but is you useful. can also write, and I don't know anybody that does this but us, you can also write Clam AV signatures uh, directly into Secure Endpoint. Um, and, and we haven't, we've talked, a, we've only, we've talked a little bit, we have used this in the past. If you have, a, if you have the ability to write a Clam AV signature, and that includes all the different signature types, so if you're aware, that includes LDBs and logical SIGs and, and all the machine code ones, Anything you want to do, like if you've ever had to wait for your antivirus vendor to write a signature for you, which I know some of you guys have, this is skipping that part. And what that lets us do in this case is it lets us make set up a defense in Ukraine that doesn't exist anywhere else. So normally, if I know an IP is bad, I'll just block the IP. And the whole world that's using, anybody's using Cisco product anywhere is going to get blocked on that IP. But with Ukraine, if I see like two or three IPs in a network that are bad and it's some like shady ass single slash 24 Eastern European hosting service that I've never heard of. You know what? I'm betting that this particular Ukrainian agency doesn't need to go there. So I just block the whole thing. And so that way, if another C2 shows up on there, it's already blocked. Um, and then if there is an access issue, we can modify the access list. I will say that none of them have had any issues with our decision making in terms of this particular piece of the Internet is no longer important to you. But we can we can do things that make sense at the tactical level that don't make sense at the global level. I can't block an entire right. hosting provider for all customers. I don't know what they're right. doing. But I can look at my customers and go, well, I don't see them talking to this guy anywhere else. So off it goes. Same thing with something like um, Hermetic Wiper. Uh, which dropped four legitimate, one of four legitimate drivers to help it in its wiping activity. Those dr- globally, somebody, uh, some Cisco customers are using those drivers legitimately. So I can't just block them. But I can take, you know, five seconds and go, does this exist anywhere in my network? No? Okay, never again. And just block off four throughout um, there. And so those are simple um, examples. We talk a little bit about the blog, and, and I won't go into any more details here than we do the blog, but essentially, I think we discussed this here before. When bad things happen, there's always a group of, of good people working together in the background, quietly having conversations between each other. This podcast started 22 minutes late because one of those conversations happened right at the beginning of the podcast, and JJ was unavailable for a little while. But you have, there are there are clusters of people who trust each other and they're exchanging information. And so we always know a little bit more about what's going on than most people. And so in this case, we were able to take some of that knowledge and it didn't make sense to apply that globally. So we were able to write custom signatures for a set of conditions that we know if this set of conditions happen, and I'm not going to get into specifics for obvious reasons, if this set of conditions happen, 
whatever's going on is wrong. And so there's like 20 custom rules uh, deployed in Ukraine that don't exist anywhere else. Um, and so we're able to, to, to block stuff that way. It's always a fine line. We, we do a lot of work around the world with government level intelligence type entities. One of the frustrations we always have is, well, you know, you can't share classified stuff because we can't really action it as aggressively. <laughs> and, and we find ourselves in that boat often when we're shared information from private organizations um, or we're observing behaviors very early on in the kill chain that are the net result of other joint efforts with other private organizations. And of course, we're, we're, our hands are tied because those private organizations in turn don't want us to share the information. And, and, and the whole idea is to not tip the adversary off because we have this unique visibility, but we can build silent blocking and detection mechanisms uh, or even, to Matt's point, those focal uh, and, and very isolated blocking and detection mechanisms that will help save somebody from having a really bad day <laughs> while not tipping our hand, so to speak, to the adversary. The main reason I would want to talk about it is because there are other individuals who aren't at Cisco who I would love to thank for their work, other organizations that I would love to thank for their work because they helped us make Cisco customers safer, um, but they have asked that we not. So we thank them in private and, and kind of thank them anonymously here. There's never a way to tell the story. And Liz, you've been in this, you know, you've been this, like, you have no idea, most of you who listen to this have no idea how much, how much back channel traffic there is between people who don't work together officially that makes all of this stuff work. And if I could ever find a way to tell that story in a way that didn't burn people um, or cause problems, I would love to just because it's a very human story like of people doing the right thing and companies letting them do the right thing by having those kind of like, cause there's no, there's no NDA between me and a lot of the people. Like there is some, there's some, but like most, there's no NDA between us. I just know that if I tell this person something and I ask them not to tell anybody, they don't. But then magically this thing goes away someplace or all of a sudden all this company's uh, protections are in place. There's so much of that that only works because people believe in the work they do and how important it is. And it's anytime I stop and think about it, it's like it's like one of the inspiring things uh, about the security community. The security community can be very frustrating, particularly if you experience the security community only through Twitter. I promise you there is a, <laughs> a whole world of security community that doesn't exist only on Twitter that is amazing and useful. And I hope you find your way to it and are trusted there at some point. But but just there are people around the world that you have never heard of that the reason some people are safe today is because they chose to spend their time doing that instead of playing PlayStation. That community exists and sometimes we don't feel like we protect each other, but when it's time for us to really put the bullshit aside, I think we're as a group, we are quite good at doing that because we all in the end, most of us are in here because we care about the greater good. And it's not just we care about the lovely salaries we get as cybersecurity professionals. It, you know, it's about we want we want to make a difference and we want to help That's people. It. There is a way it's it's kind of like getting through these kind of times. And there's also another way it's like you look forward to these kind of times because you can like the impact is like 
you getting real time feedback on the impact that you can actually have and how you can actually help people. We've been going for a while and it's it's quitting time, y'all. Like there is time to disassemble this assembly line. It really, really is. So let's go back around the table one more time, get a get a closing thought, parting shot from anybody and everybody. How about both? So I think we started with you, Matt, didn't we? We did, and I had something for this, and now I don't remember what it was. Can I just tell you something about this blog, about the creation of this blog? Um, sure. If you ever, if you ever like, so Mitch, you'll understand this probably best, but the blog that's up there uh, on, the, on the Cisco website that our CEO pointed the entire company to and uh, is out in the world, rep, like, was like the, the main representation of what we've done in Ukraine, that blog is word for word what I wrote. I, I took it. And it went up to, to the executive suite and the communications team. And they were like, okay. And like, that's it. That was, I, I have written things that have taken days to get through like a committee. And it came out on the other side, just so watered down. And what I say in the blog is that, that things have been different here at Cisco. Um, everybody, the, the people of Cisco have been incredible. Uh, and as someone who has an employee, one, and a friend, two, in, in Ukraine who remains uh, at risk, uh, I, the, the, we, we didn't talk about this at all, but the team um, of people working to try to keep those employees safe and who have built the, the system going out, I, I just don't want to miss the opportunity to say thank you um, to the employees who, who kind of have had nothing to do with this issue and then all of a sudden have reached out uh, to help. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The the there is not a lot of good uh, news in all of this, uh, but but seeing people be the best they can be is 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 something that'll carry me a long way. Yeah, JJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm echoing Matt's statements a lot, but if I can go back also again, you know, just the amount of efforts that has gone into trying to guide personnel that are in war zones right now to help them out to get their families to safety just the broad efforts underway it is it is so truly inspirational and heartwarming you know we we all do this because we want to do the right thing and that is so evident in every single thing that i see done every time somebody steps up and says hey i you know i want to volunteer to do something what can i do it's a wonderful heartwarming thing and <clears throat> you know, just like Matt, I can't, I can't express the appreciation from all of our personnel across the board. Liz, you're up. Um, so I would, you know, echo all of that because how can you not? And also in the thank you, uh, thanks to all the friends and the families of all of us crazy people who are putting up with us just disappearing into rooms and not answering phones or responding to various things that, you know, normal people do, I guess, in a day. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of support that that is going on right now. And so thanks to all those people out there. I would like to call out that Liz actually did find an article on the CIA's See, rock and Liz, roll program. you are going to learn that you do not encourage this. <laughs> When have you not figured out that I like watching things destruct, <laughs> that that is my personal joy? But it has been um, a 
kind of upside down whirlwind, like emotions and, and time spent just working with people you've, you haven't met before, but they're, everybody is just single-mindedly focused kind of in the same direction. And that, that has been kind of what's getting me by is just like the, the commonality of the cause, right? Like everybody is just trying to help. And that's kind of kept my brain a little bit straighter than, and also like at some point you gotta like turn off the news part. Like there's enough to work on and when, you know, there's, there's a lot to do and taking a break to like crying over your lunch doesn't really help. So it's, that's not necessarily true. It's spilled milk. <laughs> that's right. If you're in, if you're in Ukraine, Slava Ukraini, Harayim Slava, glory to Ukraine, glory to glory the heroes. And with that, we will catch you guys on the next episode and hopefully we'll have been a you know, little rested and make a little more sense and have a program that we actually follow. I don't know. No promises. Promises were made to be broken. No, that's not it. So until next time, cheers. Cheers.